Through no fault of my own, and like my contemporary Kanye West, I found myself in Twitter jail and could not get out without the aid of my passport. You'll be pleased to know that I have since been released, and if you want to send donations, you know where to find me. However, this incident got me thinking about how integral social media is to our lives and how little, especially in business, we understand how to use it and how to manage it to our best advantage. Our next guest is Laura Ann Williams, who is a social media expert, founder and managing director of Get Social, who along with her faithful chameleon assistant, Pascal, help businesses master their social media presence by putting the social back into social media. If like me, this is something that you'd like to know more about, then join us after the introduction. Hello and welcome. I'm Clayton M. Coke, and I'm also the host for The Cashflow Show, the radio show that's disguised in the shape of a podcast, but with so much more. Every week we'll be interviewing someone inspiring from the business world and finding out how they started in business, what their trials and tribulations were, and how they intend to grow their business in the future. We will also be finding out about what they do in their spare time, as well as asking them to pick a book, a film and a favourite single or album and to share their reasons for doing so. So why not join us at the Cashflow Show? It's not just a radio show, it's a whole new way of doing business. The Cashflow Show, coming to you from the city of London, real people, real business, real talk. Welcome to the Cashflow Show, Laura Ann. Thank you, Clayton. Well, that's such a nice introduction. I wondered if you were going to get Pascal in there somewhere. Aha, uh -huh. you see, I, I I do my research. Pascal will make an, an appearance later on in the show. Marvellous. I mean, he is with me today as well. He's uh, currently on his heat lamp staring down at me from the ceiling. Well, there you have it. He's supervising. I know that the audience will be thinking to themselves, Pascal? Pascal, who's this person? Who's this French guy that's going, you know, muscling in on your scene? So, so but all will be revealed later, our dear listener. Laura, and I've given you a brief introduction. Tell us about you from your perspective. Okay, well, um, from my perspective, I have, I have been trained recently to stop referring to myself as a social media monkey. <laughs> okay. Apparently, I kind of do myself a disservice by doing that. I'm mostly just, I just pot around in the background and you know post stuff on Facebook. Um, no, so what I do is um, I operate in two ways. I teach small businesses how to run their social media for themselves so it doesn't become a full-time job on top of the one they're already doing. Or I take small and slightly larger businesses and I run their social media for them, from creating content, writing blogs, shooting and editing videos, and um, interacting on the different platforms for them. Why social media? What's the pull of social media for you? It's a funny one, because people always ask me this. I just, I love social media, and I know that I'm kind of in the minority when I say that, because it's so demonised at the moment, and there's a whole mental health crisis around social media, and I think it's a wonderful playground if you use it properly. I mean, when I graduated from university in 2008, social media was not really a thing, like it wasn't a job that you could go and do. From that, I'm kind of like, oh yeah, God, my job didn't exist 12 years ago. My job might not exist in 12 years time. Who knows? But I like that it's just talking to people. And that's one of the things that I'm good at. And I've always been good at is finding ways to communicate with people across the board about a variety of topics. So I'm kind of an armchair expert. <laughs> Probably am. Um, so I and I like that it gives me the because my clients are so varied. It gives me the opportunity to learn loads of different things without actually having to commit to anything. Because I'm a flaky millennial. <laughs> and yeah, I just really enjoy it. You obviously mentioned university. So you've left university, so we'll, we'll skip out the, the beginning of your life and all the other bits and pieces that go with it. We can save that for your, um, uh, your, your book launch. Yes, good idea. What's your background before getting into social media? Obviously, when you're at university, you say social media wasn't going to be a thing. Mm. What were you destined to do before the lure of social media crept in? 
I was destined to find a job, pay some bills. That was pretty much it. Mine was the last year that got into uni before the top-up fee. And I was never convinced that I wanted to go to university because I didn't know what I wanted to study. I didn't know what I wanted to do. But I've, I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. I've never had a good idea of it. But my parents kind of they gently shoved me in that direction. That Please leave the house. Go away. Be gone. <laughs> <laughs> you're too, just you're too loud shoo give us some peace and quiet and yes I did uh, I did English literature and history at university and originally I'd planned to just do English lit and then I had to take an elective in my first year I remembered I always quite enjoyed history at GCSE level so I went to do that and then kind of went actually I prefer history to English lit so I swapped it to a, um, a joint honours and uh, yeah kind of with the idea that I had no idea what job I wanted to do when I left uni. And, and as I said earlier, you know, the job that I do now didn't exist then, which is so weird to think about. But yeah, so I kind of I graduated university at the beginning of the last big recession. Um, so there were no graduate placements. Everything just disappeared. And I had throughout university worked in hospitality and I just kind of went okay well people are always going to buy beer people are always going to buy food so I'll do that for a little while until I work out what I actually want to do and I, I stayed for about 12 years wow in hospitality do you think that hospitality is is a good way of getting to observe and know people Absolutely. My, uh, my old boss that I used to work with did used to kind of do these um, anthropological observations. So one of the that's really interesting in a restaurant is every table is its own little island, pretending that the surrounding islands don't exist. When you look at it that way, it's really weird. And it's really true. Because nothing exists beyond this little wooden square that we're sat at. And the only interruptions we want are to bring us food, something to drink. And that's about it. You know, some people want some more interruptions. Some people want some conversation. People just want to sit in silence. And so we used to look at tables and like, OK, they've been together for about 20 years because they have nothing to say to each other. But they're quite happy. They look comfortable. That's great. They're definitely on a first date. He thinks he's getting it. She's saying, absolutely not. <laughs> um, <laughs> I do that kind of people watching all the time. Yeah, absolutely. So it was like professional people watching. And it was kind of the um, ethos was we were in the business of making people happy. So we get them whatever they want that is going to make them happy. It might be that they want lots of conversation and interaction with their server. It might be that they want to pretty much just be left alone. They just, you know, they want to kind of see you out the corner of their eyes so that they know that you're there and you can come in and fix any problems for them. But other than that, they want you to leave them alone. And so it was, it was quite an experience in learning how to read people. Understanding people and understanding people's wants and needs, I can see how that would apply to social media and how that would work. Mm. But you've spent this time now looking in lots of different directions. Obviously, you've gone into hospitality, you've done your degree, you're now obviously looking to do something. In terms of your life generally, were you from a business-owning family? Um, my mum had her own business, which she started when I was at university. Um, and she did that because she wanted to work for herself. And she hadn't had a very good experience with the most recent place she'd been working. And she got quite badly bullied by a couple of the younger girls. And, uh, I think she just went, I don't want to do that. Who can I work for where I'm not going to get bullied or there's not going to be stupid competition? And then the answer was herself. Mm. So she set up a catering company. And, um, I used to go and work festivals with her and we had it's very it's very bizarre we had a cult following in the heavy metal community <laughs> I know I know listen to my voice my mum is even posher than I am does it sound like we should be in the pit um, oh no worries because we, she found a good gap in the market because at the time there were very very few options for people who were gluten-free or, or you know, had any dietary issues. And so my mum kind of catered for that. And we had you know, we had normal food as well. But we used to do um, paninis during the day and then hot meals in the evening. And we had the coffee van 
as well. And so it needed to get queues going across the arena, but no one was ever grumpy at queuing because they used to just, we used to joke that, you know, there were some people who got married in the queue. There were a couple of divorces, but everybody was so chill about it because we were just really nice to them. Mm. And it was, I mean, we had, I think it was Hurricane Bertha and um, our food tent was uh, a little bit wobbly. It, it was properly staked down and everything, but we were kind of there like, oh my God, no, it's going to blow away. And basically the guys at the front of the queue just held on to it for us. And then every time one of them got their food, it'd be replaced by the next person in the queue. And it just became a thing that you get to the front of the queue, you hold the tent down. And it was amazing. <laughs> it's amazing what you can get people to cooperate and actually do, isn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And any time we did have long queues, we had this massive bucket of sweet. And one of us would just go up and down the queue with them. And just be like, you know, we're really sorry. We're going as fast as we can. And people were really happy with that. And it was just kind of, it was just sort of communicating to people. It was like, we have four panini grills and there are 80 of you. I can fit three sandwiches on the grill. You work it out. <laughs> it's going to take a little while, but your food will be freshly made to order. And that was, that was kind of the hook almost because, you know, what it's like at festivals, stuff's cooked in bulk first thing in the morning and it's not necessarily fresh when it gets to you. But because we were always, you know, we make everything to order. You can have whatever you want so long as it's on the menu. And that was, that was kind of our edge, really. Now you've developed this cult following amongst heavy metal fans. Yeah. That's just, I can just see that in my head and I just, uh, I'm just getting my head around that. So <laughs> does this inspire you to start your own business? I think knowing that someone else has done it and done it well by being themselves and built this business up basically on their personality, that was quite a good model. So when I started thinking about running my own business. There are a few different reasons to kind of what prompted me to do it. But mm -hmm. uh, kind of had that example that I could follow and go, right, my mum's got a strong personality. I've got a strong personality. No, I'm not everyone's cup of tea and that's absolutely fine. But there are plenty of people who will want to do business with me based on me. Not necessarily that I've done these big projects in the past and you know I don't have this massive portfolio, but I can sell my business on my personality. Mm. Do you think that sometimes people aren't always as driven in order to start businesses and they sometimes are fearful that somebody may not like something that is actually quite unique about them? You're never going to find a person who is universally liked. So it's more about finding your audience, finding your people and your community that want to support you. Um, I did about six months worth of networking under the agency that I used to work for before I even thought about setting up my business. And so I already had this fantastic support network who the second I said, I'm going to start my own business, they're like, great, let us hire you. We would like to give you money. I said, really? Oh, okay, marvellous. <laughs> you know, it's really nice to get that kind of support. Um, and obviously it takes, it does take a little while to build up that network because you have to keep showing up and you have to keep being yourself. It, it becomes very obvious if you're not who you said you were over a prolonged period of time. Mm. So it's pretty much, um, I used to just turn up like, morning, where is the coffee? I am not a, I am not a morning person. For the love of God, someone put caffeine in my hand and then I will smile at you. <laughs> <laughs> I think pretty much my first networking meeting, I was introduced to a um, lovely, lovely chap. And I said, it's lovely to meet you. You're standing in front of the coffee. May I move you, please? <laughs> <laughs> How did it feel for you to be working and employed and then suddenly find yourself effectively foraging for yourself? How, what, what, what was the concept? How did it feel? What were the emotions that you were feeling doing that? Do you know, I wasn't actually worried about it, which is probably a bit dumb on my part. <laughs> I probably should have been sweating bullets. I'm very good at jumping and then building a safety net on my way down. I knew that if I didn't just get started, I would never do it. Mm. I think I made a joke earlier about me being a flaky millennial, but I'm so used to rapid change. So whether that's the, you know, a job, 
I was enjoying, I've suddenly been made redundant from, or we've got a financial crisis, or we've got a pandemic. And I've always been quite adaptable, though it's not, change isn't scary to me. Change is actually, it's quite exciting. I like a challenge as well. Mm. I mean, I like a challenge even better if I know I can win. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so it kind of, it wasn't, it didn't feel scary. I had a little bit of a safety net in that I said I would continue to freelance for the agency that I was working for previously because I was I was at risk of being made redundant anyway because the company wasn't doing fantastically well. And so I kind of put it as a mutually beneficial proposition. You know, if I'm freelance, you don't have to pay my national insurance. You don't have to pay towards my pension. You don't have to pay towards my taxes. And I am then free to find extra work so that I have a safety net. Mm. So basically, it's cheaper for you. It's more flexible for me to do that. So um, I, kind of, I still had that little bit of money guaranteed. So it wasn't too terrifying from that perspective. I was living with someone at the time as well. So I wasn't suddenly like, oh, God, I'm going to have to pay all the bills on my own and I have no money. When we split up in 2020, as so many people did, I moved into a different house. And I was like, actually, yeah. I can do this. I know I can do this. I've been doing it for almost a year at that point. And so I am not homeless and I'm not bankrupt. That's a win. Yeah, it is. I can pay my rent. Fantastic. That's that's how I measure success. I'm like, can I pay rent? Yes, I can. Great. You've now made the massive leap across to get social. How did you define how your business was going to work with other businesses? I didn't have anything set in stone. I have, I've recently had a business partnership come to a close, which was my decision, because I didn't want to keep giving them a huge slice of a retainer, mm-hmm. of a client retainer, because it was over 25%. Literally, all they were doing was sending an invoice. I think I was supposed to be white labeling for them, but I was in direct contact with the client um, under my own name and under my own company name. Well, so kind of that agency didn't put the things in place to keep me contained in their box. And I didn't put anything in place to say, we've got a cutoff date for this financial handshake. So it was a, oh, it was a very fun conversation mm. was had. Um, but essentially, I, I went directly to the client and said, this working partnership is being dissolved. I am more than happy to continue working with you. I understand if that's a bit of a conflict of interest or if you're under contract to this other agency but you know let me know your thoughts and the client came back and said well I work with you not the agency great lovely fantastic we'll carry on then exactly but that did that did lead to sweating bullets for a couple of days (laughs) but I was prepared to lose that client to gain freedom because I was just not happy with paying someone over £200 a month just for them to send an invoice no that's very very uneven and I don't want to do that kind of work indefinitely. So, yeah, again, I, I, I jumped before I looked and I landed quite well. That's great. But do you think that in business, I mean, I'm on the proverbial LinkedIn and I think it's fascinating the kind of deals that I get offered. Mm which are of no benefit to me whatsoever. And I think that I sometimes feel like writing back and saying, do you think that I'm some sort of Wally? Um, Because people don't seem to be able to create a relationship where there's mutual benefit for both parties. It always seems to me in business like somebody's trying to rip somebody else off. Mm. And I don't know if I'm taking it all way too seriously. No, I don't think that you are. I mean, the number of people who contact me and ask if I need help with my social media, ridiculous. I get at least one a week and it just makes me go, did you even look at my profile? What do you think I do for a living? No, thank you. I do not need your help with my social media. I am a social media agency. (laughs) Is the fact that social media is free and or cheap for the most part? Do you think that creates or enables a lot of misuse of social media generally? I would say so, yeah. I think um, it's like with anything that's free, it's going to, um, some people will take advantage of it. Some people will use it in the spirit it was intended. I think with LinkedIn in particular, it's generally a scattergun approach for most people. And if you are really contacting people directly, but you're not posting anything under your own name, how are they going to know that you're a real person so one of the things that you 
do you need to do on LinkedIn is you need to post your own content. And when I say your own content, it could be an article that you found, it could be a blog that you found, it could be a video that you saw. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be something that you have made yourself from scratch, but you need to put something out there. Otherwise, you're uh, essentially leading people to a blank wall. Saying, buy something from me. They're just looking at this magnolia painted wall. Going, but there's, what would I buy? There's literally nothing here. There's nothing that's interesting. There's no personality. There's, there's nothing here. So it's very much a, you do have to show your personality on social media. Because the clue is in the name. It's social. It's not a sales platform. And we hate being sold at, but we love being marketed to. Mm-hmm. One makes us feel heard, seen, and it's somebody it's like somebody coming up to you at a networking event and saying, Oh, I saw this thing that you posted. It was really interesting. Let me ask you about it. We love to talk about ourselves, versus somebody coming up to you at a networking event and saying, I've got a product, will you buy it? What do you mean no? How about now? Now? Maybe now? Why aren't you buying my stuff? Why would they? You haven't given them any reason to want anything from you. And that's what makes sense. And I think a lot of people misunderstand the nature of social media. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think um, social media, it, it can just, it can act as a brain dump. You know, you just you type something, you send it out in the world. You're like, okay, I'll forget about that now. No, if you want to do that, buy a diary and write it down. Don't air your dirty laundry in public. Yes, you get lots of engagement on it because it's human nature. We like to look at a big mess. It's difficult for us to look away. But also just, just don't put it out there. I work on the mantra that the internet never forgets. Oh, the internet doesn't forget anything. Even if you think you've deleted it, you haven't. It's still there. For- exactly. So whatever you put out there, make sure it's good. The Cashflow Show. What would be your tips for businesses on social media? Just one or two tips that Mm. people who maybe have a small, medium enterprise business, what would they or could they be doing on social media to make their presence felt or improve their stature, if you like, on social media? One of the best things that you can do to actually engage with what you're seeing on your timeline, whether that's on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, any of them. Nobody is going to talk to you if you don't talk to them first and builds up this sense of reciprocity. So it might be that you've seen someone pose a question that you know the answer to and sent them a direct message or you've said in the comments, oh, I can help with this. I'm happy to have a chat. Here's my details. Get in touch or just here's what I would do. That way you're showcasing your expertise without putting a price tag on it but we don't kind of just talk to a complete stranger give them some advice and then send them an invoice because <laughs> they'll go what why why are you invoicing i did not realize this was not free advice so yeah that is one of the best things you can do to raise your profile and also the more active that you are on your social media the more important the algorithms will view your content and so they'll go this person's really active they do lots of good things on our platform, so we'll push their content out to more people. So that's a fantastic way to raise your visibility. Other tip I would give is any marketers listening to this will start screaming at me. Don't use a call to action in every single post, because, again, you're asking people to do something for you without offering them anything in return. So a call to action might be sign up for my newsletter, read my blog, follow me, order here. And as I said earlier, we hate being sold at and we like being marketed to. So I tend to have a mixture of call to action and call to conversation. The call to conversation is when you're asking people to engage with you where they already are. So it might be that you say, has this ever happened to you? Let me know in the comments or, you know, which was a brilliant, a brilliant process or yesterday, actually. Um, by Green Umbrella, who are a marketing agency. They're fantastic. And they had a load of sort of classic chocolate bars lined up on a desk. They were like, which one would you get rid of? So I think it was Mars, Twix, Lion, Toffee Crisp, Spur. Comments, which is the last time I looked, they had like 30 comments. And it was all people talking and debating over which chocolate bar should really be removed from the planet. And that is a fantastic piece of social media. They weren't selling anything. It was silly. So it was fun. And it got people talking to each other. Excellent. 
you know, that is a post that's going to have been seen by loads of people because it's got 30 comments on it. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind, and you kind of look at it and go, oh, that was fun. I wonder what else they post that might be fun. So you click through to their profile and then you have a little look through their profile and you start interacting with other things. And then because you've looked at their profile, algorithms go, oh, you must be interested in this because you clicked through and you spent more than five seconds on this page. So we'll start showing you more of this page's content because we think that you'll like it. So that's some tips there for all the cash flow crew that you can use in your business. Call to conversation. I like that. That's new for me. Mm. That's new. There's no um, there's no hard and fast formula, but I tend to do three or four call to conversation posts to everyone call to action post let's move on to a question that i would like to ask and it's just come about as we've been talking okay what's your favorite social media platform oh oh which one is my favorite um it depends on what i'm using it for so if i want to learn something i tend to go onto linkedin or youtube mm-hmm. if i want some mindless distraction have a look at reels either on instagram or facebook and i do have a tiktok account but i haven't fallen into that wormhole yet i'm still kind of like no i just i'll watch reels because you know it's it's tiktok for grown up <laughs> is it this because you've got no freaky dance routines is that one of the reasons why you've maybe not <laughs> oh i have some freaky dance routines but no one needs to see them <laughs> i don't need an audience for those <laughs> oh dear <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, no, far from it, far from it. As I said, I'm, uh, I, I look at TikTok and I know I should be on it. Even just having this podcast, it really should be on TikTok. And mm. I did mention in a podcast recording that I did a solo one that TikTok was on the list. But um, yeah, it's one of those things that I, I have to find a time to sit down and get involved in that, which would be quite funny. At the end. <laughs> yeah. And I may do some freaky, mature, mature um, um, dancing. I don't know, uh, you know, I don't know if it, that's going to get me into trouble, but I, yeah, I don't know if I'm brave <laughs> enough for that. I don't know if I'm brave enough for that. These, yeah. these people, <laughs> people on social media are cruel. They're cruel people. They are. It can be very, very cruel, ridiculous. <laughs> I was I was giggling about that article that you sent me earlier. Ah, yeah, we we will discuss that very shortly. That's <laughs> that's coming up. Now, bef- bef- before we go to that point, most people on social media dream. They dream the dream. The dream that they dream is that they are going to go viral. Is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? I think it depends what you go viral for. Um, they all. All publicity is good publicity, but you know, tell that to anyone named Karen, and I think you'll find it's not. <laughs> um, I think people who intend to go viral just won't, because for something to go viral, it needs to be unexpected, unchoreographed, and uncurated. It has to be completely random, and I think you can't get that if you're planning everything down to the nth degree if it's kind of like oh I will I will dive from this rooftop into a paddling pool because it will go viral instead it's like well no actually you actually dived onto your camera and broke everything (laughs) so it's not really going to go viral because you can't post it because you drowned your phone just anything like ridiculous like that exactly anytime I hear someone say we want to go viral well then you won't the whole point of it going viral is it's word of mouth. That's something that you can't really control. And if you do try to control it, people go, no, because we don't like being told what to do. Coming to you from the city of London, real people, real business, real talk. Now, I'm going to do a bit of an experiment because we've created a new section for the show. This is an experiment. And this experiment is called the 60 second shootout. The 60 second shootout is basically a set of questions called this or that. One of the questions may be cat or dog, and you would then give your answer. Okay. So I don't know if this is going to last 60 seconds, but I'm going to give this a go and see where we end up. God, my my blood pressure's just risen. (laughs) Yes, it's a time. I'm ready. I'm braced. Let's do it. (laughs) Right. Okay. Let's go. This is this too much for me. This is great. This is. Oh dear. So, 
Right, let's go. We're gonna go for this. 60 seconds, 60 second shootout. Let's go. Television series or movie? Series. Delivery or sit down restaurant? Ooh, sit down restaurant. Board games or card games? Board games. Video games or books? Books. Bus or train? Train. Paperback book or ebook? Oh, why would you do that to me? Um, paperback. <laughs> Summer or winter? Summer. Country or city? Country. Broccoli or green beans? Both. <laughs> oh, I'll one. say green beans if I have to choose one. Green okay. beans. Beach or mountains? Mountains. Pepperoni pizza or cheese pizza? Is there cheese on the pepperoni pizza? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> They're just cheese. <laughs> cheese pizza. Okay. Just pepperoni and tomato. I don't want that. <laughs> Pancakes or waffles? Pancakes. Morning or night? Night. Baseball or volleyball? Oh, neither. <laughs> volleyball. <laughs> Credit or cash? Credit. That's your time. Your time is up. 60 seconds. Did I win? Did I win? Well, I don't know if you won anything, but I think people got a good idea of what you like and what you don't like, which is where we are. <laughs> so that was the 60-second shootout with Laura Ann Williams. Thank you for being the first on that one. So I did spring that on you a little bit. but I love being a guinea pig. I think the thing is, I knew that there was only one person that could really carry that off as, as a first-time thing, and that would have been you. So you did exactly <laughs> brilliantly well there, brilliantly well. Thank you. We've discussed all the goods and the bad and the negative things about social media and you've told us what your favorite social media is how does get social work with businesses do you sit down and look at their current social media presence or do you draft them a new one or do you get inside their head and find out what they're trying to achieve so how i like to start with businesses is i like to go in and meet them face to face i have to work out if we're going to click as i said earlier i'm not everyone's cup of tea i am quite and loud and opinionated and I like to choose who I work with quite carefully and I think that's one of the luxuries of having your own business is you get to choose who you're doing business with. In this initial meeting if I hear someone ask so what kind of financial return on investment can I get from working with you my answer is generally none we're not going to work together if all you want me is for me to prove that I'm worth the money that's all you're going to focus on. That's not the kind of motivation that I like. It just makes me very uncomfortable because I know I'm going to sit there the whole time and just wait, just wait for the word. What do I even pay you for to come out? So from that perspective, I kind of go, no, no, thank you. Because like I said earlier, social media is not a sales platform. It's a customer service platform. Some clients, you can re-educate them a bit and explain that that's how social media works. And for some of them, they just want to make money from it. And that kind of client, I then step back from and say, no, we're not going to work very well together because our motivations are different and our goals are different. That's kind of one of the first things. The other thing is I like to get to know the client. I want to go and see them face to face. I want to see how they interact. I want to listen to their tone of voice. I want to if they've got any mannerisms that make them stand out, if they've got any vocal quirks that I would need to incorporate into their social media, because I don't want their social media to sound like me. It's supposed to sound like them. Mm -hmm. When you do outsource your social media, it should be to someone who is effectively chameleoning you. You want it to be that it sounds like you. So I work very closely with my clients, certainly for the first few weeks. And that might be that I write a caption, I send it to them and I say, does this sound like you? And if they say, eh, yeah, kind of, then I ask them to tweak it and say, well, what, what about this is giving you kind of rather than, yes, absolutely, that sounds like me. It's kind of how we do it. I kind of don't tend to go in and say, right, we'll come up with this whole strategy and we'll put some ironclad rules in there and I'll just work from that because social media is it's ever changing. And it changes rapidly. So I could spend a month coming up with a fantastic strategy that is obsolete by the time I present it to the client. Mm. So I tend to just say, give me a bit of rope and let me run with it. If you don't like it, that's okay. We'll talk about you know how we can change it, how we can make it so that it's something you're more comfortable with. Um, so for example, I've got a training client at the moment. Who's, um, she has a cleaning agency. I did some social media design templates for her. And there was one 
image that she didn't like. And so what is it about the image that you don't like? It's too bright, it's too much colour in there. It's a bit chaotic for me. But okay, not from let's get rid of that image and let's replace it with something that's a bit more neutral, something that you know it's got more of a Scandinavian feel to it. Mm-hmm. And that she absolutely loved. Being able to take on feedback without getting upset about it, because at the end of the day, it's not my business there. Well, there are some things that, you know, you kind of have to gently say, no, that's a terrible idea. Please don't do that. <laughs> it's also, you know, again, it's their business and they're trusting you with it. So you have to give them what they want while making sure that it's the best thing for them. Of course. You mentioned briefly there that one has to be chameleon-like. So we need to talk about the chameleon in the room. And that is the legendary Pascal. Can you explain to the Cashflow crew who the legendary Pascal is? I can, I can. Pascal is my Yemen chameleon. I got him for myself as a little, you know, oh, you've been in business for three months and you're not bankrupt. Yay, let's uh, let's celebrate. Um, It was pretty much that I went into the reptile shop where I normally buy food for my geckos and kind of fell in love with him, just kind of, you know, they were getting the baby chameleons out and I scooped him up and then I was like, yeah, I'm getting a chameleon. What do I need? <laughs> and it was just like, no, I, I'm in love. He has to come home with me immediately. And when I got him, he was the size of my index finger. He's at least four times that size now. Mm. But the other thing that I did as well is I, I didn't do loads of reading because when, whenever you read anything about baby chameleons, it says to put them in their viv and then just leave them alone for a couple of weeks. I did not get that memo. And so Pascal has been glued to my head from pretty much day one. And um, he's very confused. He thinks he's a cat rather than a chameleon. He likes to sit on my lap. He likes to snuggle up in my jumpers. Um, he spends an awful lot of time being a little earpiece or a fascinator. And he quite often walks across my glasses while I'm wearing them. <laughs> so. so this is part of your branding now, isn't it, to a certain extent? It is. Yeah, yeah. So um, I kind of, I start, because he likes to sit on my head um, when we were in the pandemic and everyone was networking online, I just I once I forgot that he was there when I went to this networking meeting and then everyone was like what the hell is on your face like, oh that's my chameleon <laughs> and then of course everybody wanted a close-up so um yeah I kind of kind of went from there and then like the next networking meeting I went to people like where's Pascal where is the chameleon I said, oh, oh okay I'll, I'll go and get him <laughs> And um, so now he attends pretty much every meeting with me. He has been to -to face-to-face client meetings with me, which is always successful. It's fascinating, absolutely fascinating, because Pascal has his own social media page and has got his own following. How's he handling this fame? (laughs) Oh, he just thinks it's his due. (laughs) He's like, of course, of course I am worshipped. Yeah, I'm kind of... I also, Pascal also features in um, my response to anybody who pitch slaps me on LinkedIn. So anyone who, you know, they send a connection request and then five minutes after you accept it, they send you a sales pitch. I have a brilliant photo of Pascal with his resting bitch face. And um, I've turned it into a meme where he just says, (laughs) and that's generally my response to people who send me stuff I'm not interested in. I send them the Pascal resting bitch face meme. (laughs) It's quite entertaining. It is. And Pascal now has become an asset to your business. Absolutely. I know I'll be in bits when he goes anyway, but I'm also like, dude, you've got to to stay alive for at least 10 years. (laughs) I need you, man. Don't leave me. Like, no, you're my creative director now. Indeed. You will supervise what I do if you're not here to keep me in check. Legendary, legendary. We have to move on from Pascal and his near legendary status. And um, obviously he's brushed with fame and social media notoriety. Yeah. So what we're going to move on to is our section called What Are You Like? Which must be said in a faux Cockney accent. What are you like? We've got some uh, some great selections that you've chosen here for the What Are You Like section. 
the mm. first one that we've got up, if you remember this one, you put this your favorite book, and I know that you are an avid reader, so that mm. your your book tastes and your what you're reading at the moment obviously evolves and changes. But you did pick a couple of books um, um, that you enjoyed. And the first one I wanted to talk about, if you still remember, is 4,000 Weeks by Oliver Berkman. Mm, yeah, that is that's a really interesting book. It's one that I've been um, to the book club twice for the leadership book club I'm in the last month. Okay. And it's literally the average human lives for 4,000 weeks. And that does not sound like very much. It doesn't, does it? No. And it's kind of... It's, it's not exactly a time management book, but it's more how do you want to prioritise those 4,000 weeks that you have on Earth? Is it, oh, I wish I'd gone to work more? Or is it, I'm so pleased I stayed in that job that I hated for 10 years? Or is it, I started my own business because I wanted a different kind of life? And it's, um, it's just a very, very interesting read. And it's quite, um, it's very good for a little dose of perspective mm. on whether on you know deciding what matters and what doesn't. That is actually quite deep, you know, four thousand weeks. It doesn't sound like a lot. Mm. No, it really doesn't. And the kind of um, at the beginning of the book he's putting it into perspective and kind of saying, you know, well so it's four thousand weeks is seventy nine years you're saying and that doesn't sound like very much. But then if you look at someone who's 102, mm-hmm. they've lived for 6,000 weeks. And that still doesn't sound like very much. No, no, not at all. Yeah, it is just, yeah, it is just this kind of, you know, time is limited. Time is the thing that we always say we wish we had more of, mm. or that we don't have enough of. Mm. So it was kind of like, you know, your, your time is a finite resource. So you have to prioritise. What are you going to prioritise? How would you go about prioritising it? And yeah, so it is quite a deep read. So it's, it's worth having a look at. So let's move on to your second selection, The Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel. Oh, that was such an interesting book. So interesting. Um, I think particularly for people of my generation, because we aren't taught about money in any way, shape or form. We're not. I remember having a 10-minute segment for the PSHE lesson in year 13 on how to budget for when you go to university. That's it. We're not told how taxes work. We're not told where tax money goes. We're not educated about pensions, and we really should be, particularly as there might not be a national pension by the time people my age retire. Mm-hmm. You know, we're kind of thinking, oh, we probably won't be able to retire before age 75 anyway. And now it's like, well, actually, it might be even further than that. We might just have to work until we drop. Correct. And if you've only got 4,000, if you've only got 4,000 weeks, then <laughs> it might be sooner. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so this book, um, it takes a look at, you know, not only how we handle money, but where our attitude to money comes from. So it kind of looks at almost like family dynamics and familial psychology. So, you know, if we see our parents spending money like there's no limit, that's how we grow up to spend money, even if there is a limit, because we've never seen that kind of restraint and we've never had that modelled. And we don't really know how to go about that. And we have to unlearn everything and start again. And yeah, it's just a really, really interesting book. So let's move on to your favourite business book. And you've got The Pumpkin Plan by Mike Michalowicz, I think. I do. I do. I have another business book as well, which um, I want to plug too, because it's really good. Okay. Um, and I am going to swear now, so apologies, but swear is in the title. It's called King Good Content. Okay. <laughs> it's, by, <laughs> it's by Dan Kelsall of um, Ascended Marketing. And I absolutely love following this guy on um, on LinkedIn. It's hilarious. He's just very, very straight talking. And his whole kind of spiel, if you will, is if you're not getting lots of comments and lots of likes and lots of interaction, it's because your content is sh- mm-hmm. do better rather than it being, oh, well, no, it's the algorithm's fault. And actually, you know, it, it was the wrong time to post this. And, you know, we should have posted it 30 seconds later than we did. We should have done it as a live stream. And all this jazz and it's like no just make better content and people will like it so you've got the pumpkin plan by mike michalowicz and effing good content by who dan kelsall it's offended marketing 
which is honestly look them up after this Clayton. you will absolutely love them they're brilliant <laughs> oh dear so the pumpkin plan the premise of it is that you cultivate the relationships that are doing the best things for you and for your business so if you've got a client who never pays on time who you don't actually enjoy working with get rid of them and then that time that you get back from having got rid of that draining client you can invest in a new client or you can invest it in you know increasing your relationship with an existing client so it might be that you can say to them I've got loads more time now do you need me to do any other projects for you and then you get more money from that client okay yeah it's it's an interesting approach brilliant well excellent stuff well I look forward to (laughs) I will look forward to um uh, seeing those two books and um uh, Yes, especially from Mr. Offended Marketing. That will I look forward to that, most definitely. So let's move on to your favourite record. And you've got down Dance Fever by Florence and the Machine. Yeah, I love Florence and the Machine. I love, for me, my first connection to music is the lyrics. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm quite focused on words. And I don't know if that's because I, I love writing and I love reading, so words are the things that kind of jump out at me first and then I hear the music underneath it mm-hmm. and I think Florence Welch is she is such a fantastic lyricist that I just kind of I will fall into any of her songs and be like oh my god it's so profound <laughs> and it's such an easy way to communicate such a complicated thing god damn it you're brilliant <laughs> so yeah I kind of you know um Florence and the Machine Joni Mitchell Taylor Swift as well. I am an unashamed Swifty. I think her lyricism is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just I love the kind of poetry in words. And on Dance Fever, um, she has done a couple of the tracks as spoken word pieces okay. as well, rather than just singing them. And that's really interesting too. You kind of you listen to the spoken word one first and then listen to the music and it's, it's like elevated. It's got another layer to it because you've focused on what the song is saying so much during the spoken word piece that you can then pay attention to the music under it on the other piece. Okay. And yeah, it's just, I love it. I love her. It's marvellous. Excellent, excellent. So we're going to finish up now with your favourite film TV box set and you've chosen Modern Family. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> I was so I was so late to the party on Modern Family. I only started watching it this year, but there's just again just the writing on it is so clever, and there is so many sort of off the cuff remarks that I've literally I was falling out of my chair. I've been laughing at it so hard, and yeah, I just I kind of when I got to the end of it, I was like, no, I need more. Don't leave me. This is too brilliant. <laughs> But yeah, it's like, you know, it's been going for like 11 series now. So it's. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing that I really like about it as well is it shows a properly blended family. Mm. You know, again, that's like the whole premise of the show. But it's not something that we tend to see on um, on TV and films. We don't really get to see, you know, a properly blended family, mm. which is so common now. There are so many blended families and there are so many different variations of family. And, you know, sometimes family is not who you're related to. Sometimes it's a friend that you or, you know, that you've been friends with for decades. Indeed. I thought it was really, really lovely to see that and to see it modelled and not kind of put up on a pedestal as a cookie cutter, fantastic family. It's gritty. There's misunderstandings. There's hilarity. You know, there's like a difference in class for some of them and it's so interesting I think you know from certainly from my perspective and I love to watch people and I love to see how people interact but that was absolutely brilliant excellent series so that's modern family and American comedy series you have not seen it please do (laughs) indeed now so we're coming towards the end of our chat here and what are your plans for get social going forward Oh, so I knew you were going to ask me this, and it's yeah, a bit that kind of makes me a bit squirmy because I'm like, I don't know actually. Um, I think Paz has been in such a reactive business for a long time. 
don't look too far ahead. I don't anticipate working in social media for the rest of my life. I think it's something that I will look at doing for perhaps another 10 years. Mm-hmm. Then I will look at taking something that I've learned from it, turn that to what I want to do. Mm. Essentially, I would love to write a book or books. I'd love to write articles. Mm. I would like to be a full-time writer. Mm. Okay. And that's something that, you know, I kind of, I've, I dabble in at the moment. I've had a couple of articles published. Yay, well done, me. Good for you. Um, mostly on utterly, utterly ridiculous things. <laughs> but yeah, so that's kind of, kind of the direction that I would like to head towards. And I will keep doing social media for as long as it interests me. Okay, because I get the funny feeling that once you've built that relationship with people, they will keep wanting you to come back. Mm, Hopefully. That's the key thing here. They'll want you to come back and they'll want you to be, even if it's just a consultant, they'll want you to be, even you can't be just a consultant, even if it is to be a consultant, Mm -hmm. you know, they'll want you to be part of their, their team because of the experience that you would have gained and that you can bring to the table yeah i hope so <laughs> that would be nice yeah i think so <laughs> you know i show up and they go oh god why are you here no, go away no. <laughs> I think I, <laughs> we don't need you right now i think the people that who are supportive of you are very supportive of you and they like the way that you work and if that's what they like you know it's like with, with late payments i i i i i still do that i still work in that fear in that sphere i should say and the reality of that is that for people who want to seek me out, that's great. For the people that don't and it's not for them, that's cool. But the fact is you always have a foot in that camp. Yeah, absolutely. With that in mind, what's the best way that people can find you on the interwebs? I love saying that because I love the Americans always use it. It's on the interwebs. Yeah, Tinterwebs. Yeah, yeah, Tinter. Yeah, Tinter yeah, is the is the best one. Obviously, yes. that would be Peter Kay's. <laughs> yeah. So, if if there are American cousins haven't heard of a comedian called Peter Kay, seek him out. Very um, classic Northern English humor, and it will make you laugh. Please watch his um, watch his piece on summer um, eating the Solero. People kind of go, "Oh, it's too warm." <laughs> I like it warm, me, but not that warm. It's brilliant. <laughs> I do like Peter Kay. He's fantastic. Incredibly funny, man. Incredibly funny, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the best place to find me is probably on LinkedIn. Um, it's where I am generally most active. I, I do have a website that I still haven't finished writing. <laughs> and it's been in a state of semi-preparedness for about three years. <laughs> you can find me. All our websites are like that. They're not the only one. Yeah, so where can people find you on LinkedIn? So you can find me on LinkedIn. It's Laura Ann Williams. Company is Get Social. Um, I'm open to connections from people. Just be aware, if you do send me a pitch, I will send you the resting bitch face pastel. Okay, they've been warned and they've been told. They've been but, warned. <laughs> but before we finish, finish, I sent you an article. And this article said, Woman Sparks Backlash after revealing she spent each morning drinking coffee with her husband in their garden. To help the listeners and the cash flow crew understand the context, a lady put up a post on social media talking about her life. And effectively, she revealed on Twitter that she and her husband like to spend their mornings drinking coffee together in their garden. And they're young people, 24 and 25, of just recently married. And they've got a pretty much nice honeymoony kind of life whether they'll want to be sitting next to each other drinking tea and coffee at 44 and 45 I'm not so sure but at the end of the day um, they've got this idealistic thing going on and that's fantastic and it's lovely and I'm very happy for them however social media was not so happy for them because the comments that they got was don't you guys go to work And then another comment was, sounds like you and your husband need to get jobs. You sit there for hours, but what if you weren't inherently wealthy and had to work and stuff? This is lovely, but I'm going to assume you all have a lot of money. Most people don't have that option. So there's a lot of bitterness and a lot of jealousy 
And, you know, that's evidenced by further comments. They said, that's cool. I wake up every morning and I fight my way through traffic for an hour in Miami to get to work. It must be nice. I mean, I shared this with you. What did you think of it? I'll tell you what, Clayton, I was, I was so outraged, so, so upset at the audacity of these people to enjoy their lives. I had to go out into my garden in the rain, in the rain, I tell you, with my cup of coffee that was not premium. You know, I made it myself. I didn't buy it from Starbucks or Costa and there was no gold leaf in it. But I stood out in the rain drinking my coffee just so I could calm down. <laughs> I was so, so hurt. I mean, you know, what if I don't even like coffee? Indeed. Do they even think about that? <laughs> In other words, um, I thought it was utterly ridiculous. It's it, just that guy. Chill. It is ridiculous. It's fine. It is. It's how, how on earth can you take something so innocuous and decide to be mortally wounded by it? Like, oh, my God, I have to get up and go to work. Okay. So to most of the population, mm. it's not saying, you know, oh, well, if you can't spend a couple of hours in the morning sitting with your husband in the garden drinking coffee, you suck at life and you're failing. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's literally just i like to have a cup of coffee with my husband in the morning it's nice and then we go to work and it's just like okay not not everybody has that option yes it's very true not everybody is self-employed not everybody gets to set their own working hours but it doesn't mean that they're awful awful people who just want to make you feel bad mm. it's just so bizarre it is so, bizarre. so bizarre i cannot wait to show that article to my partner because i know he's gonna hit the roof and i may just have to record his reaction and send it to you clayton because <laughs> i'm well do you know something no one will believe me yeah yeah because the, the problem is is that i think this is the downside to social media and as we're closing mm. off, it is the downside. And the downside is, for some people, it triggers them so badly mm. that the reaction that they give to other people's lives, and as I said, if these people want to live their life like that, I'm happy for them. And, you know, live your life. And as I said, at 24 and 25, you've got a world ahead of you. And the fact is, if you yeah. found that idealism in your life at this stage, brilliant, go for it. Grab every piece of happiness while you can. Yeah. However, I think not everybody is your friend and wants to support that. No. There will always be some people who follow you just to hate what you're doing. Definitely. And for those people, they're like, okay, it's fine. That's what they're doing to entertain themselves. If they're bothering you, block them, or just ignore them, or ask the question. I mean, I had... An example of this a, a couple of years ago um, when I posted something on Instagram um, just saying that I don't like before and after images of you know weight loss like they were fine before they're fine after I don't really want to see these coming up on my feed all the time and I had a very vitriolic response from a lady who was kind of like well what if they're really proud of their weight loss who are you to say what they can share and what they can't and instead of immediately reacting and kind of going well it's my page I'll write what I want thank you very much off you hop and I actually I clicked through to her profile and I saw that she does a lot of fitness a lot of yoga and a lot of, of mental wellness and so I actually went back to her and said you know in the comments okay I'm not you know I'm not entirely sure where you're coming up with these assumptions about me because we don't know each other but here's a little bit about me I have a history of disordered eating. I don't like looking at before and after images because no one is a before or after image. You know, I have chronic illness. Just giving her a little bit of background. And then I kind of said, you know, but I hope that you're okay. And I'm sorry if the post upset you. And by the way, you obviously really, really care for yourself because those yoga moves that you posted about are fantastic. And she came back to me and went, I'm really sorry. That was a massive overreaction on my part. I was triggered. I said, that's okay. That's all right. You got triggered. Mm. I didn't mean to trigger you. I don't think you meant to shout at me. So, square. Yeah, we're cool. Yeah. and But that's yeah. the problem. I think, unfortunately, social media has allowed a lot of people to feel triggered. And mm. especially in business, 
I've seen people get into big spats in business because of social media. And the reality of it is, if your mum wouldn't like it and your nan wouldn't like it, it's probably not the right thing to do. Yeah, that is a very good rule of thumb. That's, that's the one that I work on. Before I start p posting my sexy dance moves or, you know, <laughs> showing me my DPD. Can't say anything nice. Yeah, Don't yeah, say yeah. anything at all. Exactly. So at the end of the day, I, I realise that it, my moves might not be what people want to see. So I act accordingly. But um, I don't know, Clayton, I, th I think many people are going to want to see those uh, well, sexy dance moves of yours now. <laughs> do, do you know something? I just feel that I could be I could be putting myself in a position where I'm not sure I want it. It could just all spiral out of control. <laughs> it could all spiral. But you could go viral, Clayton. That's the dream, isn't it? <laughs> And that's what worries me. And the thing is, when you go viral, when you go viral for the wrong thing, that's when it all goes pear-shaped. Oh, as, yeah. as we say in the UK, it all goes Pete Tong. Yeah. Well, on that note, Lauren Williams, social media expert, founder and managing director of Get Social. It has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. I look forward to seeing you again in real life. And also I look forward to sharing this conversation with all of the Cashflow crew and all our other listeners around the world and that they've got an idea of what social media can be and what it can do. And if they ever need that help, that you're there to support them. Absolutely. Excellent. Thank you very much for joining us and take care. Bye. Bye. We've come to the end of the Cashflow show for today, but I would like to say thank you to our guests for taking the time to share their knowledge, wisdom and insight. If you loved what you've heard on this week's episode, please head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts and leave a five-star review and feedback as it really does help. Whilst you're there, listen to some of our other episodes which you are bound to enjoy. We want to make this the go-to podcast for entrepreneurs wherever they are in the world and spreading the word really is the best way to grow our show and our community to achieve greater things. Be sure to join us next time for Real People, Real Business, Real Talk.